0: You're listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From May the 3rd, 2020, at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida, the text is the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by another way is a thief. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I wonder how many of you have ever been robbed. My guess is a pretty high percentage because I've been robbed multiple times. I must have a Rob Me poster somewhere attached to me. Now, I've had the classic credit card fraud happen to me. And one time when I was just out of graduate school, my apartment was broken into, but being just out of graduate school, there wasn't much they could take. But then there was... Rome, as in Italy. I was in Rome traveling. I was with a friend one day, and she had to leave early, so the next day I was by myself. But the first day I was in Rome, I was getting onto a subway, and it was crowded, and and people were kind of pushing and shoving and trying to get in, and it was so packed tight. And by the time I got off the subway, I looked down, and the bag that had my wallet empty. Someone pickpocketed me on a subway in Rome and so I spent the whole day you know trying to cancel credit cards with the language barrier and, and, and you know bef- this was before cell phones and so it was all just a whole just it was a terrible day you know trying to correct all of that well the next day I had one more day in Rome and my friend had gone so I was by myself and I went to check out the ancient Roman forum and I was walking through the forum this band of gypsies. It was two women and it must have been 752 children. They got around me and they started pushing me and shoving me and and confusing me and kind of spinning me around and and before I know it one of the women had grabbed my backpack and took off the other way. Now I didn't have any money because all of that was gone from the day before but in my backpack was my passport. And I was not going to let that woman get away with my passport because I wanted out of Rome. So I turned around and I chased after her and I grabbed my passport back. Let's just say going to Rome is not on my bucket list. (laughs) So when Jesus talks about thieves and bandits, I know a little something about that. And maybe you do too. Well, there's a new thief in our midst. And this thief isn't like the thieves I experienced in Rome. This thief is about 250 nanometers, which is 0.000047th of an inch. And this thief has come to steal to kill, and to destroy. Now, this thief has already killed over 240,000 people worldwide. This thief hasn't killed anyone in our congregation. I give thanks for that. Nor has it entered our church family, to my knowledge. I give thanks for that. But I do know some of you are grieving deep losses at the hands of this Mini thief. This thief has come to steal 30 million jobs so far to date that we know of. This thief has come to steal our economic security. This thief has stolen perhaps from your investments account and caused it to go up and down, up and down. And this thief has come destroying destroying our sense of security, destroying what we have known as normalcy. This thief has come to steal and to kill and to destroy. Its name? Coronavirus. And some of you have wondered, along with me, what our lives will be like once we're out of this thing that the thief has brought to us. What's life gonna be like? And I wonder if after this pandemic is somehow over, however it resolves, I wonder if we will experience some sort of collective uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome. Maybe not on a a major scale, but at least a mild collective PTSD, post-trauma. You know, trauma, changes people, doesn't it? I was talking with a friend of mine recently, and he and his wife adopted a baby girl out of Africa several years back now. And they adopted her when she was less than two years old, I forget how many months, but definitely less than two years old. And their thinking was that they would be the only parents that she would really remember, and so maybe her trauma wouldn't be so severe and she's a happy well-adjusted kid except for sometimes that trauma that trauma of being separated from her birth parents it kind of creeps up into the over the surface in their lives and so when she was about maybe 9 or 10 my friend was getting ready to take her to a father daughter dance which is something they had done a few times before, and she always enjoyed it, the kid loves to dance. But as they were kind of talking about and getting ready for this dance, she was resistant to the idea. She didn't really want to go, which was strange because the kid loves to dance, and she's a social kind of kid, and how weird, she doesn't want to go to the dance. And so finally, the day for the dance had come, and they, father and daughter, all dressed up, ready to go to the dance. And they're driving on their way, and he's all dressed up, and he's driving, and she's in the back seat all dressed up, and, and she begins to cry. And he looks back in the back seat, and she, he says, Honey, why, why are you crying? And through big crocodile tears, she says, What if when the dance is over, you don't come find me? And my friend, he pulls over the car. He stops it. And he looks back in the back seat at his daughter crying. And he looks straight at her and he says, look at me. He says, I am your father. Your whole life through, I will always come and find you. Now, this story that he told about his daughter reminds me of a story from the Scriptures about the shepherd who finds the lost sheep. It's from the Gospel of Matthew, and I'll read it for you. It's the parable of the lost sheep. and Jesus says this, What do you think if a shepherd has a hundred sheep? He asks. And one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. Our good shepherd, like a good father, always comes and finds us, no matter where we are. Now this shepherd imagery is one of Jesus' favorite metaphors when talking about himself. Not only does he go out and find the lost sheep, but in this passage from John chapter 10 that I read earlier, he's the good shepherd who stands at the gate. And one of the reasons he uses this metaphor a lot is I think because as they were traveling around, they sheep and shepherds were ubiquitous. In our culture, we don't have a lot of sheep and shepherds around, but in their culture, sheep and shepherds were all over the place. And so it was a common metaphor, a common image that they were accustomed to. So Jesus uses it so that they can understand deeper truths. And so in this passage, in John chapter 10, he's talking about the shepherd as the gatekeeper. And what they would do, shepherds would do, is during the day, the shepherd would allow the sheep to graze the hillsides, and then at night, the good shepherd would corral the sheep into a sheepfold, which was basically a fenced-in area with a very narrow gate, narrow so that only one sheep at a time could fit in and no other animals, one at a time. And the good shepherd would stand at that entrance and one by one let the sheep in. And as the sheep entered the sheepfold, he would inspect the sheep. He would care for the sheep. He would tenderly inspect to see if there were any birds or any injuries that he could take care of. And one by one, tenderly checking each sheep, admitting them into the safety of the sheepfold for the night. And then the good shepherd would take position inside that narrow opening of the gate for the duration of the night. You know the passage that we love at Christmas time and the shepherds were watching their flocks by night? That's what they were doing. They were standing there at the entrance to the sheepfold so that no wolves or predators could get in. This image of Jesus as the gate, I am the gate, he says is the image of Jesus as our protector. Now, the thief we're dealing with isn't a wolf. The thief we're dealing with is 250 nanometers or ths of an inch. So how does this relate to us? How is Jesus our protector in light of of coronavirus now one of the things that I've heard here and there during this pandemic and I don't know how to feel about it I don't know if I should laugh at it or be mortified or dumbfounded but Christians saying I'm a Christian I'm immune from the coronavirus that's just poppycock don't you love that word poppycock that's just poppycock How do people get this mindset? It's just like, you know, well, if you're a Christian, you might as well just jump off the Empire State Building, right? Or if you're a Christian, you might as well just touch your face, for God's sake, right? Don't touch your face. It's like saying, I'm a Christian. I'm immune from cancer. I'm a Christian. You can shoot me, and I won't die. It's kind of ridiculous, don't you think? So how, then, might Jesus be our protector, our gatekeeper during this pandemic? Here's what I believe, that Christ is with us always. Inside each of us, we have the indwelling presence of the living Christ at all times, in all places, always the indwelling presence of Christ. And because we are his sheep, we know his voice. And that voice comes to us externally in the form of experts who who study epidemics. And the voice comes internally from within us in the form of wisdom that helps us discern what to do and when to do it. So the voice of Jesus in a pandemic comes in the form of knowledge and in the form of wisdom, not in the form of some kind of invincibility shield. Jesus never said, there are no wolves, or wolves can't hurt the sheep. No, wolves can hurt the sheep, and coronavirus can hurt Christians. But Jesus is our protector, giving us knowledge from without and wisdom from within. Now, this past week, the church board and I met together, and we had a good, lively discussion, as church boards do, around when we might, again, open our sanctuary for worship. And I want to tell you that the board takes this decision very seriously. And for me, personally, I think this may be the most consequential decision of my entire ministry. I want you to know right now that nothing... Nothing is more important than the safety of those who gather here to worship. So we will gather in due time once all the appropriate criteria are met and we are prepared to social distance and keep ourselves safe once we gather. And just because businesses are opening doesn't mean the threat is not there. It just means that hospitals are better prepared to handle the flood of uh, ill patients that come their way. It doesn't mean that the pandemic is over. And so in due time, in a month or two, I'm not sure when, we'll gather for worship. But even if we gather for worship, some of you shouldn't join us here because of the knowledge of experts telling us what the risk factors are and from the wisdom from within us telling us who shouldn't expose themselves in that way. These are difficult times, these are strange days, and each of us must listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd from without and from within, helping us know when it's safe to leave the sheepfold and graze in the verdant fields. There's a hymn that speaks to this um, so beautifully Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. And as we sing this hymn together, and I hope you're singing at home. I hope you're lifting your voice in praise, even from the comfort of your living room. But I hope you'll sing along with Irene. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Much we need thy tender care. And as we sing together, let this be our praise, rising up to meet the ears of the Good Shepherd, ready to hold us and ready in due time to lead us out to pasture. Thanks for tuning in to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.